Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Elizabeth C. Haynes. I am excited to welcome Elizabeth to the show. She is an author and an inspiring human being who has a history of abuse and trauma and chronic disease and all kinds of fun stuff, (laughs) which I don't know if you've ever been introduced like that, Elizabeth, but. No, that was pretty good though. Hey, welcome to Live On Purpose Radio. Hi, thanks for having me on. You know what? I love talking to people who have been through some stuff. Yeah. And you have, because you know what? That gives you some validity. Yes. A a reason for us to listen to you. I hope so. I feel like I have something to say. (laughs) Well, you absolutely do. I mean, from an early age, you've faced some challenging circumstances. Elizabeth, I'm just going to give you a moment to share the brief version of that story with us. Give us the context about where you've been and how that has led you up to where we are now. Sure. So I was born into a pretty dysfunctional home. Um, My parents divorced. They separated when I was about three. And um, I was left with my mother who had a lot of mental illness. Um, She was very abusive. She was physically abusive. She was emotionally abusive, mentally abusive. Um, Uh. You know, the physical abuse kind of tapered off as I got older. And then it was more mental and emotional. And so I grew up in this um, environment where nothing I ever did was good enough. I wasn't good enough just as I was, you know, I I didn't have a good sense of self. And I got married really young at 21 to my high school boyfriend um, because I was looking for love from somebody. And I have a father. Mm -hmm. He was just, you know, not so much in the picture at that time. So I kind of didn't find my footing until my 30s when I remarried and I went through some more things. My ex-husband went to Iraq. He was in the war. I also raised his son while he was gone. And then I lost that child when we got divorced. So there's been a whole lot of loss and just um, coming to terms with things from my childhood that I've been through and um, been in a lot of therapy. I love therapy. Everybody go to therapy. It's great. And then I've just done a lot of other things, you know, like listening to spiritual teachers, just about living in the present moment and how your mindset, you know, really impacts your life and things like that. So that's kind of how I arrived to where I was. And then at age 35, I got very sick. Um, I had a, a couple of surgeries and I just never got better. And I've had this, I have a rare disease, it's called mast cell disease. And that's what I deal with now for the last five years. And um, I just kind of fell off a health cliff and we didn't know what was wrong for a couple of years. So I got sicker and sicker. So then I went through this process where I thought I was going to die. I really did. And when you go through that, when you think you're going to die, it kind of changes your, your mindset, changes how you look at everything. But then it's also, I kind of write about this in my book, how sometimes a life-changing experience 
isn't life changing because you come out of whatever that is and you're still in the same life you were before. Mm. And so it took a little while for all that to sink in. So that's kind of how I got to the book and how where I am now trying to live a more positive life and kind of understanding um, how to let go of some of that, how to process it out and things like that. So as I'm listening to this, Elizabeth, it's uh, first of all, it's a little exhausting. It is exhausting. Yes. I feel like I'm about 80 years old on the inside. (laughs) And and it's like, and then this, and then that, and then any one of these things would be like, oh yeah, well, people deal with that. But then when you put it all together in a package, it's pretty heavy. It is very heavy. And it's funny because I've been very blessed with good genes. So people don't think that I'm my age. And so it's, it's very weird because people look at me and they're like, oh, you look so young. And I'm like, I, I might look young, but I have a disease on the inside that I'm dealing with. And I've been through so much trauma over yes. so many years that it's just, it, it does, it feels like I'm so much older than I am. But as right. I work through that and get to a better place, I'm starting to feel younger and younger every yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, well, that's encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you, you mentioned your book. Your book is called Halfway There, Lessons at Midlife. And I love that you're taking this whole experience that you've framed and it's like, okay, that was the first half. Right. <laughs> and now what? Right? right? Because the second half is still being created. It's still being written. Yes. And as you were sharing some of your story, and I commented that, you know, a lot of these things, people are going to hear that and they're going to say, oh, I have that. But they haven't had all of those things that you mentioned. Right. Or maybe they had a few of those things, but not all of them. Everybody's got their different package, right? Mm-hmm. But what's beautiful, I think, about your story, Elizabeth, is you come to halftime. It's like, okay, well, that was kind of brutal. Yeah. You know, that first half, it was exhausting and yeah. hard. Now what? Yes. And you've come up upon some principles. You've come across some ways to take everything that's happened to you and put it in a place where you can now move forward from here and create something even better for the second half. Yes. And it's, it's actually, it's interesting because I, I started writing this book after I got very sick. That's about when I started writing it. And I wrote the first draft and I put it away for like a year and I just went about my life and I was dealing with stuff. And then I picked it up and I read it. And, you know, I initially, I think I wrote the book for myself to remind myself of all yeah. of the things that I had yeah. learned because I read the book and I went, oh my God, I'm so far off track. Okay, let me fix this. And so, you know, the book is exactly what you said. It's like, okay, I'm at halftime the first half of your life can be total garbage and you can still go on and have a better second half of your life. Your life is not over. As long as you're here, you're breathing, you still have a purpose here. So you need to figure out how do I not let that first half mess up my second half? Or even if you're further along or not quite as far along, how do I not let that other stuff continue to impact my life when all that stuff is over with the exception for me of, you know, health condition, but you learn how to manage things better. The stuff that's not over, you learn how to manage it better and you find those techniques that help yourself. And so that's kind of what I go through. It's just the different things I found in those processes that are going to help me get through the next 40 years, hopefully. Talk 
Talk to us for a minute about that, Elizabeth. What have you found? What are those principles, those truths that you have come across that are empowering you now to do this? Because I um, think even though, even though your circumstances are kind of individual and unique, underneath that is something that's more universally human. Yeah. That we all deal with. And I think you've learned some valuable things. So take us there if you would. Yeah, some of the biggest things I've learned is just about my thoughts are not me. So my thoughts that I have about the past, my feelings that I have about the past, those are not the core of who I am. And so sometimes when I start getting lost in the muck of things that have happened or that are happening, I just pull myself back and I say, okay, I'm having thoughts about that. I'm having maybe negative thoughts about that. I'm having fearful thoughts about that or feelings and I pull myself out of it. So one of the things that I've learned is putting distance um, between all of that stuff. The other things that I've learned are that you do have to process it. You can't just, you know, part of the reason I think that I did get so sick. Now there is a genetic component because now that I know what it is, I can see it my whole life. I can see that I had it. But I think part of the reason I got so sick is because I had those emotions, that trauma, all of that on the inside. And despite all the, you know, I've been in counseling therapy for 15 years, I hadn't processed it all out. And some of that is just, you've got to figure out your mindset, you know, more consistently because you can keep processing, but, you know, trying to get some of that stuff out, that's, that's something else. And then just living in the present moment saying, look, I'm here. I am. Am I being abused today? No. Um, have I lost my home? Because I've lost my home. I've lost everything more than once. Have I lost my home today? No. Have I lost all my money today? No. Has somebody died today? No. And, and just pulling myself in and saying, all I have is right now. And, and if right. I focus on right now, most of the time, and I write about this in the book, most of the time you're okay right now, unless you're, you know, in the it's hospital cool or somebody died, most of the time you're kind of okay. You know, maybe you're having a bad day, but you're okay. There's nothing catastrophic happening 99% of the time. So that probably helps me more than anything, just pulling myself back, staying out of the past, you know, recognizing it and, and saying, yes, that happened, acknowledging it, but not pulling it into my present and then not projecting into my future, which isn't there yet. It's just, it's not there for anybody. And when you do that, I would go into this pattern sometimes where it's like, well, this happened in the past. It's surely going to happen to me again in the future. And you have to pull yourself out of that mm. and say, well, no, not necessarily. Why, why am I even going to put that out there? You know, yep. maybe it will, maybe it won't. And so <laughs> I have a lot of different things. This is a book of very, a lot of very short stories. So there's a whole bunch of different things in there, but those are some of the major ones that really help me on a daily basis. You've had a couple of really powerful concepts here. You started out with, hey, we are not our thoughts. Correct. <laughs> that, that is just a little mind-blowing. And it's not that we go around thinking, I am my thoughts. We don't right. even think about it. We right. just operate as if all of those thoughts in our head are us. Yes. And they're not. They're just thoughts. They're your mind. You know, you have to think about the thing I like to remind myself is the science says that every seven years you have all new cells in your body. 
and everything's turned over, it's dyed, refreshed, whatever. So your skin is all new every seven years, whatever. This is what I've learned. Somebody can go look it up, but I've heard this many times. And so I remind myself, okay, my external body, my bones, everything is changing all the time. My mind is changing too, but that's not the thing that's lighting me up inside. That's not the thing that's, that's, you know, got me here inside this body. There's something else. And so anything that I'm thinking about, that's just my mind. That doesn't have to be me. That's just, that's a part of me, but it's not the essence of who I am. And I don't know if that makes sense at all. <laughs> I, had a, I had a beautiful experience with an older neighbor of mine. She was 93 years old and I was visiting with her. This was shortly before she passed away. And as I was visiting with her and just kind of curious about what have you learned? You know, you get to tap into this wisdom of the ages what have you learned? And she said something so profound, and you've reminded me of it here, Elizabeth. What she said was, don't be too quick to believe everything you think. Mm -hmm. I thought she was going to say everything that you hear or read on right. the internet or whatever, right? But no, she said, don't be too quick to believe everything you think. Yes. And like you've said here so beautifully, sometimes we own it as if it's us. Yes. And, and it's said, they're just thoughts. Yeah. And the problem is, you know, for someone like me that grew up in a, in a bad household, a bad home environment, your thoughts get conditioned in a certain way. You are taught to think a certain way, either yeah. about the world, about yourself, right? whether it's, I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough. I, you know, you're, you're taught that through your environment. Yeah. So that's just another way to say, wait a minute. I learned this particular thought. Where did I learn that from? Is that really true? You know, and, and then you start to realize that some of your thoughts are just conditioned. They're just automatic. And you have to kind of make a conscious effort to say, no, that's not right. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. And every time the thought comes back, you say, I'm not going to engage with that because I know that that's not true. That is so empowering. Elizabeth, as we come back from this break, I would love to dig into that a little bit more because I love the direction that this is going. Folks, this is Elizabeth C. Haynes. She is the author of Halfway There, Lessons at Midlife. Uh, we'll be right back here at Live On Purpose Radio. You're going to want to hear what she has to say next. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. DrPaulJenkins.com And we're back. Elizabeth C. Haynes at Live On Purpose Radio. 
Hi. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, am I supposed to say something? I guess I was. <laughs> you can always say something. Absolutely. We're just, we're having a conversation here that is so exciting to me, Elizabeth, as I see what you're doing with your book and your story, and you have come to an understanding, a firsthand understanding of principles that I've taken a career to summarize or teach. And, and you're living these principles in a way that's empowering you. You said something before the break that I wanted to follow up with. When we were talking about thoughts and how you are not your thoughts, mm-hmm. and you suggested that we can actually question the validity of our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You didn't say it in those words, but that's what I captured from you. You can question those thoughts. And I think it's powerful for you to stop and say, wait, yes, that's just a thought. Is it even true? Yes. What have you experienced with that? I, I've found it to be very hard um, just because I, I, I was, it was decades of conditioned thoughts for me, you know, that I had to break. And then ones that I put right. upon myself when I was an adult, when I was still kind of broken a little bit on the inside. So it's still something that I have to do on a regular basis and I'm not always successful. So one of the things I think is important is to remind yourself that, you know, you're trying and it's okay if you're not always successful. And if you, you do kind of succumb to it, you get depressed, you kind of fall off a cliff for a little while. It's right. okay. Just pull yourself back up, you know, when you come out of that. So for me, it's just a really, it's an ongoing process that's probably going to take me honestly, the rest of my life, probably, although mm. I am getting much better at it. I find that I don't fall off as often I don't get as down as I used to get, you know, and um, one of the things I write about is just getting older and, you know, looking in the mirror, the things that you tell yourself, you know, when I got sick, my body really changed for a little while and I lost all my hair. I have a, a, a story about losing all my hair and how that felt and, oh. you know, losing a lot of weight and, and just watching my body change. And then those thoughts come back in. If you've been conditioned, if you didn't grow up in a household where it was like, you're okay the way you are, you're beautiful, you're whatever you just revert. I think when you get into difficult situations, you revert back to what's natural. It's just um, right. it takes a long time to break that kind of thing. You said conditioned. Uh, I think also of the word programmed, mm-hmm. you know, where we're trained, taught, and educated to think in a certain way. And it doesn't mean that it's right. We've already called right. into question, you know, the validity of our own thoughts. But the programming is powerful. Mm-hmm. And an example of that, Elizabeth, is we have this conversation in English. <laughs> yes. That is not the only language available. Correct. Right? But you and I were both programmed to speak English. So this is the easiest, most convenient way to have this conversation. Yes. And even if we both learned a different language, it would still be easiest for us, for us to go back to our programming. Yes. And when we yes. use the, the language example, what you're talking about, how we think about ourselves, for example, even though you've done all of this work and you've, you've had some amazing, powerful therapy and you're, you've written your book and you're inspiring people now with your own story, you can still get sucked into those old patterns because of your programming. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like I said, I went and read the book after I wrote it and I was like, oh man, <laughs> and it was a lot, you know, yeah. and I even do it now. I pick it up every once in a while just to like reassure myself because I have to reassure myself that it's not garbage because I'm, I've grown up with it. That's a, just another example of me having to turn those thoughts off. So I, that's a practice I do. I read it and I say, no, this is okay. And so, um, yeah, I think it, it's it's hard it's ongoing it's ongoing yeah and it is like learning another language you know i learned spanish in college and my mother spoke spanish and i didn't learn it so i minored in spanish and it is just like that because you know i forget my spanish sometimes and i forget it a lot now because i don't use it and that's a really good metaphor because you know language you use it or lose it is kind of how it goes right I mean, you can kind of pull things out I can understand but I can't speak anymore if you don't constantly practice those you know affirming thoughts and the positive thoughts it's it starts falling away it doesn't go away but I find that I have to keep on top of it every day in, in right. order to keep making forward progress it's surprising to some people to find out, wait, I have to keep working on this? Right. Yeah. There's no magic like, okay, I've arrived. <laughs> I think like for me personally, I think that once you've arrived, I think that's maybe when you die or maybe when your time is up, when you've kind of arrived at whatever you're supposed to arrive at. I, I, and I don't even know if that's the case. But there is no I've arrived, you know, even though I have this book out where I talk about all these things that I've learned, I still haven't arrived. And I don't know, you know, that that's really a thing. You just progress and you get better and you grow and you do that. And, you know, until you're old and 93 and telling, yeah. telling people what you learned, you know. Right. Yeah. And it's good news. Yeah. You know, that can be a little discouraging on the surface to think, oh, you never will arrive. Right. But what if you did? Yeah. You'd have nowhere to go. Yeah. Right? I mean, and also you don't have to arrive to have a better life. I mean, I am so much happier yes. and more at peace now than I was even five years ago and really even a year ago because I lost my job again this year. So, you know, again, for me, that's more practice for how do I handle that? Cause I've lost a lot of jobs in the last 10 years. And so, you know, right. I'm still happier than I was and I'm much more at peace. And so you do get benefits from it, even if, you know, you don't feel like, well, I'm perfect, you know, <laughs> and, and you'll never be perfect. Nobody is. That's a realization that I think can help our mental health yeah. more than almost anything to realize that perfect is not even a real place. Yeah, it's not. And, and to be honest, this is my first book. I had like four other attempts and I'm halfway through my life and I couldn't get it out the door because I just didn't feel like I was good enough. You know, I didn't feel like mm -hmm. it, it was worthy, you know, and it was all those old thoughts that I had in my head coming up. And when I wrote this book, unlike the other books, I was thinking about like the finish line, what I want to do. This one, I just said, I'm just going to write what I like for once, what makes me happy for once. And I didn't even think I was writing a book. I just decided to do what felt good. And I couldn't do that unless I worked through all those thoughts. So I couldn't even start to become who I was supposed to be without going through this process. So no, I haven't arrived, but boy, I've arrived enough where I'm like starting this new life as an author and doing what I've dreamed of doing since, you know, who knows, 20 years, I'm finally doing it because I worked through the thoughts enough to allow myself 
to be who I'm supposed to be. Have you realized, Elizabeth, that you are right on schedule? Oh, yes. I have. <laughs> yeah, because, and, and that was when I learned that I think when I was a school teacher 10 years ago, when all of my kids, I taught the bilingual kids and they had all kinds of problems. And I had experienced literally almost everything any kid had been through, I had been through it. And I, that's when I started understanding, oh, all of this stuff is for some reason, what am I supposed to do with it now? That's when that first came on in my head 10 years ago. Mm. And so I have realized that wherever I am is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I wasn't ready to do that. I couldn't have written this book even five years ago. I just couldn't have. And so everybody's always right on time. <laughs> and, and I think you have to give yourself some grace there when you feel like I'm not. I have lots of stories in there about these crappy jobs that I hated and how I can look back and say, actually, no, this was exactly where I was supposed to be. This is maybe why it happened. It allowed me to write when I couldn't have written otherwise, when I didn't have the confidence to write otherwise, things yeah. like that. We talked earlier about this first half. Yeah. It was kind of brutal and you got beat up a little bit and it's, it's like, whoa. Yeah. And here you are at halftime. Okay? Yeah. Heading into the second half. The, the reason that you have a book is because of the first half. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And when we put that into perspective and we can see that everything that's happening in our life is part of a greater, grander purpose, mm -hmm. you couldn't be where you are today without where you've been Correct. in the past. Sounds like yeah. you agree with that. I do agree with that. And I'm, and what I've also learned is I have to, in order for me to continue to progress, I have to let go of some of that bad thinking because it gets in my way. So for right now, for example, I'm unemployed. My unemployment runs out in two weeks. Normally in the past, I would be freaking out and, and oh my God, oh my God. Even though logically I can look in the bank and say, okay, this time I'm not going to lose my house. This time I have enough to eat, you know. I look at it logically. I have to talk myself out of that. If I wasn't able to do that this time, I would not be functioning right now. And I would, I'm working on another book right now, which I could not have done. So you do have to learn those lessons in order to keep progressing. Once right. you kind of arrive where you're supposed to be, say, okay, how do I keep on moving forward? And part of that, again, is letting go of those, those thought patterns you know, so instead of saying, I can't, I've got to worry about money. No, I don't. I can worry about today. Today, I'm okay. <laughs> today, today, I'm okay. Yep. Yeah. Today, I'm going to do what I feel that I'm supposed to be doing next, even though I have no idea how the money is going to work out. I'm just choosing to not focus on that. I'm choosing to turn those thoughts off. And I'm choosing to focus in on what my gut says I should be doing and just turn all that noise off because, again, it's not me. The me is the thing that's telling me work on another book, work on another website, do this, do that. Don't worry about it. And so you do have to kind of learn, I think, how to tune in. It's like another frequency <laughs> almost. Yes, it is. Yeah. Beautifully put, Elizabeth. I've, I've really enjoyed hearing about your experience with principles that I am very familiar with and how you've applied those in the very specific circumstances of your life. You've outlined some of this in your book, Halfway There, Lessons at Midlife. Mm -hmm. um, 
let's give our uh, listeners a way to connect with you and with your book. Where would you invite them to go to learn more about you and the work that you're doing? So my website is just elizabethchaines.com. It's just my name. So I've got a blog on there that I've I've run for maybe a year and a half. It's like my third blog. And um, you can read some stuff on there where I just talk about inspirational things, about changing your thinking. My latest post was about a, a worm that I found, and it's called The Worm That Changed My Mind and just how I changed my perspective about that worm. And now I will interact with it differently. And I also have links on there to buy the book. There's a place where you can read an excerpt. So um, just look at the tabs and you'll be able to find it. There's a preview and buy tab where you can read an excerpt and you can go find links. It's available anywhere. Ebook, paperback, worldwide. Wonderful. So that's Elizabeth C. Haynes, spelled H-A-Y-N-E-S. Yes, dot com. You can connect to the book there, folks, halfway there, Lessons at Midlife, and have other ways of interacting with our fantastic guest for today at Live On Purpose Radio. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Thank you so much. Pleasure has been mine. And now, folks, you've heard it. You've been inspired to go do something, and it's time to go live on purpose. Purpose. 